The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, member of the Wells, preached on May 1st, 2011, based on the text John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God to which the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith in the risen Jesus is the second half of the gospel today, John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. Please give your attention once again to the last verse of that reading. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Your friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Donald Trump had his doubts. Was President Obama really born in the U.S. of A? Maybe you heard some of that kerfuffle over the airwaves this past week. And even though the president has gotten a waiver so that Hawaii can release his long-form birth certificate, I would guess That won't quiet all the naysayers. People believe what they want to believe and they doubt what they want to doubt. Just look at Thomas here. Look at all the evidence Thomas had. He had the prophecies of the Old Testament that foretold the resurrection of the Christ. But he did not believe them. And even more than that, above all else, he had the testimony of Jesus himself, didn't he? For three years, Thomas had listened to Jesus. And how many times hadn't Jesus told the twelve, including Thomas, that he would die and then rise on the third day? Wasn't Jesus trustworthy? Wouldn't he keep his word? But Thomas didn't believe it. And now even with the testimony of the apostles backing up the words of Jesus, Thomas still doesn't accept the evidence, does he? It's not good enough for him that the disciples have seen Jesus with their own eyes and this wasn't a passing glance that they caught out of the corner of their eye like when people say Elvis was seen. No, they had seen him right there in the midst of them. They had seen him eat. They had touched him. They had talked with him. And this was not a hallucination either, was it? They had all seen the same thing. But none of this, not even the promises of Jesus himself were good enough for Thomas. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Such doubt is unbelief. Thomas had no faith in Jesus promised to rise from the dead. He is unbelieving, Thomas. And here, dear friends, we we must see just how close doubt and unbelief are. For so often we want to think that doubt isn't that big of a deal, not compared to unbelief, but look at how close they are. And, And maybe what part of the confusion comes because of the way doubt and trust plays out in our human relationships. When we are talking about another human being, then maybe a little bit of doubt isn't all that bad because not everyone is honest and trustworthy, are they? And even an honest person may not always be able to carry out what they promise 
They don't know the future. Our human ability and wisdom is limited. And so, when it comes to human plans and promises, maybe a a little bit of doubt mixed in with earned trust is, is a healthy approach. But not when it comes to Jesus here. We're in a totally new ball game. For Jesus is not just a human being, is he? He is completely honest and trustworthy. For he is the Lord who does not change, who cannot lie. And he always carries out his promises, doesn't he? Because he is God who can do all things and who knows all things. To doubt, even in a little way, to doubt even in the tiniest bit, to doubt Jesus is to question his honesty or his ability or his wisdom. And those are acts of unbelief. Now, does that make all of us here Unbelievers, for haven't each and every one of us struggled with doubt at one time or another? Don't we still have doubts that come into our hearts? So does that make us all unbelievers? Because we've struggled and do struggle against doubt. Note the difference here. You struggle against doubt. You fight against it. And that's what faith does. Faith fights doubts. Unbelief gives in to doubt. Unbelief excuses doubt. Unbelief will even defend doubt as a virtue of the reasoning mind. But faith fights doubt. And how do we do that? How does faith find the strength to fight against the doubts that creep into our hearts, that assault us day after day? How? Well, you had the answer right there in the text, in the last verse of the text. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, these words are written so that you may believe and not doubt. These words are written to drive out doubt from your heart. These words are written to overcome unbelief and strengthen your faith as you fight against doubt. Yes, dear friends, these words, the words of the Holy Scriptures, yes, the Bible, these words are written to drive out doubt. How much we need this book. For how often don't doubts assault our hearts? Sometimes they may sneak in and lurk there and we don't know they're there until we come to a difficult time and there the doubt jumps up. Other times they confront us head on. And maybe it's not in the form like with Thomas, we may not demand to see and touch the physical body of Jesus as Thomas did. But how often don't we want to see why something has happened? How often isn't that the kind of seeing we want? We want God to explain himself, to tell us why. Why did hundreds die in the tornadoes and storms down south this past week? Little children, moms and dads, families, why? 
Why do American young men and women die in wars on the other side of the planet? Why are there so many crimes on the streets of our own cities and atrocities uh, on the other side of the world? Why? Or to make it more personal, why? Why do I have the struggles in life? Why is it so hard to scrape by financially? Why some days is it so difficult to get out of bed? Why are there days that I feel so down and, and don't know if God still loves me or not? Why? Such heartaches such temptations, such pains and troubles in this life. Why? If I could only know why, if I could see why, then it would be so much easier to believe. Or so our doubting hearts imagine. But these words are written so that we may believe. These words are written to drive out those doubts, but not in the way that we might expect. These words are not written so that If you read this book from cover to cover, then you find the answer to all those whys. No. No matter how well you know this book, you will not be able to explain all the whys and the the specific answers to those questions of life I raised and to the other whys of life that come up. That's not the way these words drive out those doubts. For you see, the Bible is not a a database of information for our reasoning minds to sift through and figure out the logical explanations to the whys of life. Think of what that passage says. These words are written not for you to be able to explain the reasons why. These words are written for you to believe. For you see, through these written words, your Savior, Jesus Christ, comes to you. Through these written words, his voice calls out to you. And he doesn't call out explaining everything to us. Rather, this is what he says. He calls out and says to you, trust me. For these words are written so that you may believe that I am the Christ, the Son of God. Trust me. Trust me, for I am the Christ, the Anointed One. The Father anointed me for the mission of saving sinners, including you. I am the Son of God, who came from the Father to bring you into fellowship with us. Trust me, Jesus says, for I sacrificed my innocent body to reconcile you to God. I poured out my lifeblood to ransom you, washing away your guilt. I rose from the dead because you have been justified through me. I rose from the dead so that you may believe and not doubt, so that you may believe is written in the scriptures. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Yes, Jesus rose from the dead so that you may believe and through that faith have eternal life. Now, if we are trusting Jesus for that eternal blessedness, that everlasting happiness, how much more will we not trust him in our day-to-day struggles? That even though they seem to be so large when we face them, yet are, are, are minor compared to the eternity Jesus has won for us. For as we trust Jesus, not only for the eternal happiness, but for our day-to-day struggles as well. As we trust him, then we realize we don't need 
to understand all the whys and wherefores of life, do we? For we have a shepherd leading us, a loving shepherd who has laid down his life for us and taken it up again. And so maybe we cannot see why he leads us on this particular path that seems so rough and rocky. Why not that path over there or or that path on the other side? We don't need to understand why, because our shepherd is leading us. And he knows the path, he knows the way. He is leading us to that life everlasting. So follow his voice. Follow his voice as he calls to you through the written word. And that's something for us to take to heart here, that it is the written word that gives us this faith. The written word is where we find the voice of Jesus calling to us. If we follow the voices we feel deep inside, or if we follow the voices that we think the, or because they come from the church officials or because that's what the people around us seem to think, those voices will only lead us into doubt because who knows where those voices come from. But the written word, what's recorded in the scriptures, is sure and certain. This is what gives faith its sureness and certainty. For here is the record of the voice of Jesus himself, calling throughout the ages, calling out to you and to me. If these things were just things we heard through oral traditions passed on from one generation to the next, who could be sure that things hadn't been changed? But these things are written down so that you may believe with all sureness and certainty that here are the words of your Savior, your shepherd leading you. Follow him in faith. Faith that rejoices in the written word. And then we realize that we don't have to see why these things happen. Rather, we trust our shepherd to lead us. And what blessing that brings. For blessed are they who have not seen and yet have believed. Yes, faith follows our Savior. This faith fights those doubts. It fights those doubts by going to the written word and knowing that here we find our Savior as he comes to us, our shepherd. These words are written for you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And such faith that takes these words to heart, such faith that uses these words to drive out doubt, look at the confession that that faith makes. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaims, let your life shout out that confession. Yes, not simply with your words, but with your entire life. Shout out this confession as your faith drives out doubts using the written word. Shout out the confession. Exclaim with Thomas, Jesus is my Lord and my God. He is my Lord who has redeemed me, ransoming me with his precious blood. He has redeemed me, even though I was a lost and condemned creature, and he is God over all. He has redeemed even me, so that I belong to him. And he, he is my Lord and my God. 
So I will serve him in all that I do. I will live under him in glad obedience. I will honor him with my words and actions, with my time and treasures, with my talents and abilities for Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and my God. Such a life, dear friends, flows from faith. Faith, trusting in Jesus, who keeps his word, for he is the Lord our God. Faith, that stands firmly on the written word, for these are written that you may believe. Trust Jesus, dear friends. Trust Jesus. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please be seated for the offering.